0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ecothreads podcast, where we explore sustainability and its intersections with different social movements and issues. I'm your host, Greta Jennings, a high school senior dedicated to educating myself and others about the expansiveness of sustainability as a concept and a lifestyle. In the third interview on the Ecothreads podcast, you'll hear a discussion about the benefits and challenges of community-supported agriculture, and hear about how one particular CSA incorporates its beliefs into impactful practices. With that, I hope you enjoy this week's episode. I'm incredibly excited to introduce this week's guest, who's particularly experienced in the area of sustainable and community-based agriculture. As someone who strives to educate others on sustainable food consumption, I'm delighted to welcome Tim Metcalf to the Ecothreads podcast. Tim has been farming for the Community Supported Garden at Genesis Farm in Blairstown, New Jersey, for six years, prior to which he was a part of their apprenticeship program. The CSG at Genesis is one of the first farms nationwide to have been committed to the CSA, or Community Supported Agriculture, model, and has been a staple of the community since 1988. Without further ado, Tim, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Greta.
0: It's great to have you here. So I want to start with a quick introduction to um, what a CSA is to kind of just create a baseline for my listeners. So for those who don't know, community supported agriculture helps bring producers and consumers in the food system closer together by allowing the consumer to subscribe to the harvest of a farm. So Tim, can you explain a little bit about the structure and components of the CSA model and how it benefits both farmers and members?
1: Yeah. Um, so the, the basis of the CSA movement, and this came out of a necessity, um, originating in Japan, uh, this came out of a necessity, um, to sort of bring, um, sort of more awareness, um, and deeper connection between the consumer, the people eating the food and the people growing the food. Um, so, uh, just upfront with, um, the CSA begins with, uh, members um, joining the farm um, and those people invest uh, early on in the season, early on in the growing season um, in the farm uh, uh, in a financial way so that the farm has upfront uh, money and uh, that benefits the farm greatly because there are so many farms that are um, going under right now because they put a lot of investment into producing food, but then there's no outlet and there's all this waste. So, um, up front, the farm is getting, uh, a financial, um, sort of good start to the season. Um, and then, uh, out of that, um, you know, the, the members themselves actually benefit by getting fresher produce and, um, also understanding where their food is coming from, like shortening that, that leap that we have, uh, so much today, you know, where it's like, the consumers go to the grocery store. The grocery store buys the food from the farm um, and then the farmer just gets money. Whereas this is the consumer meets the farmer, knows the farmer and is directly getting the produce from the farm. So it's alleviating a middleman scenario um, that, uh, as we all probably know, um, kind of leads to ex- excessive resource use and. Um, so, you know, you have the shipping companies, you have the middleman distribution centers, like grocery stores. Um, so that that's cutting out all that um, to lead to, to sort of a deeper connection.
0: I think that's great, especially because now, like, a lot of people have a much bigger disconnect to the actual food that they're eating. So I definitely like that, um, you know, Genesis is focused more on actually, like, creating more awareness of, like, actually where food comes from. Um, and that's something that I, I find very important. So you're talking about this a little bit, but uh, could you speak a little bit more on how a CSA model actually redresses a lot of the um, inequities, environmental devastation and injustices of the current agriculture system?
1: Right. You know, uh, and going back to what I was talking about, the middleman, it's like you're you're removing things like less or no packaging, you know, so like plastic use and um, things like that. So. You know, there's going to be like less containers being used to hold the produce because the the consumer is coming directly to the farm and picking up the produce without any of those plastics involved. There's no shipping, um, which I meant to mention earlier. So that's fossil fuel use, um, which also uh, goes against climate change. And uh, it also lessens the overall price um, of these veggies because you're alleviating these middle um, portions. So it's actually, um, more beneficial to the consumer, uh, to invest in a direct link. Um, also I think it like deepens a, a sense of localism for a community, which, you know, I think helps because like, there are, um, there are communities out there that are, uh, sort of have like, uh, multitudes of classes in them. You know, you have the people like around the poverty line, you have people above the poverty line, you have, uh, people with excessive, uh, Um, With higher wealth and that, uh, you know, I think bringing that together and creating a community out of a local system kind of brings everyone together in a sense that they can witness who's in their local community, what's happening in their local community and the diversity of their local community. I think that builds the strength. Um, I'm a firm believer in agrarianism, which is that sense of localism. Um, so I, I do think that this model is the closest thing that we have currently to having a strong local support system. Um, and also, I think it just like uh, uh, brings awareness to the value of local regions and and local um, sort of land use, uh, whereas like maybe people didn't realize that we can grow things like pawpaws or exotic fruits um, in our region, um, just as an example. So, I you know, Uh, raising the value of of the your local area and land is also um, a benefit to this system and uh, I think it also just to add one more thing I think it also humanizes the people who grow the food which I think is is a constant problem in the system that we have now in the broader system that we have now um, where people can actually meet the people that grow their food
0: Yeah, I find what you're saying really interesting, especially about the economic aspects, you know, like a lot of people will assume that because food is organic or locally grown, it's automatically more expensive, but kind of what you're saying about cutting out the middleman can actually lower the cost in a way that very industrialized food that you might get at the supermarket really can't. And then I kind of want to pivot here to more about your own personal experience at Genesis. So you started back in the apprenticeship program in 2017. Could you kind of walk us through like what you took away from that experience and what eventually motivated you to work for Genesis full time?
1: Right. Um, so yeah, I came, I came to the CSG um, uh, sort of interested in agriculture, interested in sustainability, and, and interested in permaculture. Um, And, uh, I I heard about the apprenticeship here and I sort of read up on it just, you know, from the website and I said, oh, okay, that, that kind of fits to what I, um, kind of want to pursue in my own life. And what I found here was actually something even deeper than that, which is, you know, going back to what I said early about localism. And, but I think it was also, I've always had a fascination with things that, grow and like sort of the micro and macro climates that they grow in and i think that gave me uh this this opportunity here this apprenticeship um gave me an opportunity to have like a hands-on experience with that um and uh that that like you know it, it was it was it's a lot of work um but you know just day in and day out just be, having my hands in the dirt uh so to say um i sort of like realized how important um you know being aware of those syst- uh those small systems and the things that grow in this planet are um so it it really kind of um solidified my intentions towards like pursuing something in the environmental side of things or in uh food production. So um I kind of took away a lot of the a lot of the education I learned a lot in just the first I, I was an apprentice for two years here. So I, I learned a lot um from those two years um and it uh it it definitely like changed who i who i am
0: yeah that's that's really interesting i like a lot of what you're saying about kind of like getting really like in the dirt and getting really involved um yeah so i kind of related to that how would you describe kind of what you're doing day to day now like what does a typical day look like for you at the farm
1: So a typical day is like, uh, we all get here, um, in the morning and we, uh, sort of, you know, we, we all work together. That's like another benefit of our structure here is like, everyone does the work together. Um, so we'll get here, we'll go over, um, sort of the things that need to be done today, the things that need to be harvested, the things that need to be weeded. Um, so we'll all get together and then we'll break up and we'll go, Um, as as teams will grow and like complete those uh, tasks, whether it be weeding or planting or, uh, you know, right now there's a lot of uh, removal of things from the field. So we're doing harvests and we're also um, sort of tearing down the things that are left over from like the summer systems. Um, But uh, my, (laughs) one of my favorite uh, aspects of this farm um, is that we uh, have like sort of a family meal at lunch So um, uh, three days a week, uh, one of the farmers, um, we all take turns, uh, actually cooks for everyone. So there is like sort of a a deeper sense of community within the workplace here um, where we actually cook the food that we grow um, and everyone gets to, uh, you know, sort of be a part of that and and be a part of that kind of like um, group mentality, which you know, I think is like greatly beneficial. And one of the reasons why I really like working at the, um, working here at the farm um, is because there's an opportunity to kind of come together as a, as a a smaller community um, to kind of reap the reward of the effort that we put into the fields.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really nice experience, especially like um, you know, being able to actually see the rewards of kind of your work, um, I think is something that makes um, being involved in like farming and agriculture something that's very valuable. Um, I know my family, we love the produce we get from the farm, so um, definitely like being able to kind of have a family meal and like cook something that you know, like where it's coming from is, is something that's definitely very valuable um, and, and kind of shifting gears here. so. On the website, I read a little bit about your passion for art, and I actually did an episode recently on um, kind of the value of art as a tool of environmental activism. So I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more about how now working at at the farm, um, if it's like cultivated your connection with nature and strengthened your abilities um, as an artist in any way
1: yeah um, I will say definitely working at the farm is has cultivated deeper respect and uh, admiration for the nature around me, um especially at this farm because there's a lot of um there's a lot of wildness that we try to keep on the farm and so uh, with wildness comes a great diversity and with that great diversity comes a lot of experience to witness something new or unique so um, I will say, like, my day to day, I'm always running across something that um, is new. I'm sort of an illustrator um, in my art itself. So, a lot of it is about expression, about trying to express things across the people. I'm using sort of a universal language of um, visuals. So, um, I think like any amount of diversity that I can bring back into my artwork um, is beneficial to sort of widening that universal language that i feel like artists are naturally inclined to use so um so yeah there's definitely like a a deeper connection um to my art there um but i also you know going back to cooking and cooking being art being an art form i've i've found that i am more i've been more drawn to cooking ever since i've started working here um, because it is like a It's almost a magical thing to take something um, and turn it into something even more amazing. Um, So, you know, I I guess uh, working here at the farm has kind of made me realize um, how much of a how much I enjoy cooking and expressing myself through cooking.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's really interesting how being around nature can really affect us um, creatively and you know it makes a lot of sense too given the fact that a lot of art just started as trying to represent the natural world so i could definitely see how you know farming and being around nature in that kind of way could definitely help you in terms of your creative process so i now want to pivot to some questions that are a bit more genesis specific so my first question is what sustainable and environmentally friendly practices does Genesis employ in its operations? And how does this contrast from the very chemical intensive and industrialized nature of most agribusiness in the U.S. that we were talking about before?
1: Uh, I can just list a couple things that I know that we do here. Um, you know, one thing we do is cover cropping, which is the to ensure that we don't um, have uh, the same crops every year uh, over and over and over again in the same field. Um, and that ensures like, uh, so that, uh, disease and, uh, insect, um, populations are sort of kept under control. that's very important also in nutrient use. Uh, some plants use very uh, specific nutrients out of the soil. So if you have the same, like say spinach, um, in a field just excessively year after year, after year, spinach is going to be taking specific nutrients out of the soil and, um, you know, eventually going to deplete the soil of that, those specific nutrients more than others um so crop rotation is important to um make sure that each field sort of has like uh a good amount of uh nutrient uh nutrition and um fertility in it uh another thing we do is crop diversity um uh, we grow around 100 different varieties of vegetables um uh and that that that's uh not, not just to have those a hundred different vegetables throughout the year. Um, but it's also to ensure that if, um, environmental problems happen and we have a crop loss, you know, maybe, uh, the zucchini is susceptible to the heat and the wet that, uh, this one year, um, we ensure that, you know, if we're not investing all in just one crop that other crops will thrive. Um, that's, that's the beauty of diversity is where some things may fail, other things may do better. So, Um, they kind of balance themselves out in terms of what the shareholders are getting in the share um, with that diversity. Um, Another thing we do is composting. Um, Our compost system, you know, we're very proud of. Um, And uh, my uh, coworker, Mike, does a lot of work um, into making sure our composting system works. And that's like very localized. Um, We uh, get uh, horse manure from a, a local farm down the road. Um, but a lot of it is also just you know hay that we uh, harvest from our land, um, uh, excess vegetables that weren't uh, didn't make it into the share, or um, maybe had too many problems that they could be turned into food. They go back into the system, and we make sure that the com- uh, every uh, field gets composted regularly. So using those sort of systems, we make sure that the food is well fed, and then the food can be fed to us. Um, so, you know, we try to close that that loop there to make sure that, you know, uh, everything is healthy. Uh, another another great thing that I think we um, have on this land, which we're fortunate to have, and I know a lot of farms don't have the ability to, is uh, we have a lot of like sort of designated wildlife areas that surround our farm. And what that ensures is that um, sort of the local native like fauna and flora can thrive still within our system and i think that's like greatly beneficial because you know have things like um uh, native honeybees or native pollinators um that help uh with pollinating our crops but also it um lends itself to uh like local systems like if you were to think about you know yes we have we, we may have some rodents that um eat some of the vegetables in the field but we also have things like foxes and coyotes that check those rodents populations so i think it's really important to have these like uh wild areas of the farm um that kind of like keep a almost like natural systems flowing so i think like all those are kind of counter to what you would see with big agribusiness where you know they uh are constantly wanting to like have perfect vegetables. So, you know, they use sprays and they irrigate constantly. So all these things are, um, you know, not lending themselves to minimal chemical use, minimal uh, petrol use, but on on this scale that we're doing, which I think is the sustainable scale, um, we're able to feed 300 families um, using these sustainable practices, which, you know, we're very proud of
0: yeah i think that's great i i like um kind of the depth you went into about so many different aspects that the farms involved in um like diversity of the crops that you're growing um because you know a lot of bigger farms like use monocropping and other practices like that which are um very damaging to um the soil itself so yeah i i think that's really interesting as well as like the education aspects um so kind of in relation to that um in regards to the community has the farm been involved in any programs or initiatives that help to promote affordable and accessible um, produce in the local community?
1: Yeah, so we we donate shares um, to those in need. Um, uh, we uh, uh, try to make it sure make sure, you know, especially with like rising prices everywhere. Um, we still want to make it affordable to everyone in our local community. Um, And so we're, you know, we come up with options. And the the cool thing with the 3% is that that makes it so it's not just the farm that is giving uh, these shares to people that need it. Uh, It's also the the community It's the members that are giving um, these shares to um, people that need it. Uh, We're also part of a a local organization called Local Share, which is essentially that they they glean from farms in the area, um, excessive uh, excess food. Um, and, uh, that, that food makes it towards, uh, local food banks. So, uh, we also are part of that program. Um, but we also, you know, we try to, uh, we try to also, um, sort of open up the membership, um, to, a, a broader sense, uh, every once in a while, um, to the local community, uh, where, you know, we try to bring in, you know, uh, people that haven't experienced this farm um, before. So every once in a while, we'll open it up to them where they can uh, witness and be a part of the community.
0: Yeah, um, I think that's great. You guys are clearly involved in a lot of efforts to help kind of connect people from the local community to the farm and kind of make your produce, fresh produce more accessible in general, since that is a very important issue nationwide. So pivoting off that here, I'm wondering if you could share kind of what challenges the farm has faced in terms of gaining membership and support, and how this reflects the greater difficulties faced by CSAs nationwide.
1: I think um, one of the biggest challenges of membership uh, recently is just I think there is a, and I I don't know if this is actually what's happening or not, but I think th- uh, it is it is more and more. it's it's more and more difficult for a uh, normal like sort of family um, to afford the time to cook. And, um, you know, because like uh, maybe like both partners um, are working all day and they get home at night and they're very tired and, you know, they might not have the energy to sit down and and cook a a full uh, meal for themselves. They, and they, so they might resort to, you know, fast food or, um, Packaged food, so, something quicker, and I think that lends itself to um, a struggle in membership, and and this is happening, you know, with most CSAs around the country is uh, that that struggle to find people that are willing to spend time during their day to, to cook vegetables, um, and uh, you know, so I I think that. that is one of the main aspects that is uh, sort of hurting membership um, across the world um, with a CSA system is a lot of people are just looking for a quick and easy meal. Um, So I think that is that one aspect um, that is working against us. Um, But also I think it's just like uh, a sort of lack of education and maybe understanding and respect for uh what food is and where it comes from. Um there is like an ignorance uh where people just think that you know uh broccoli comes from the grocery store. Um uh and you know okay yeah oh maybe onions come from a farm but it's probably really simple to grow onions. I I could tell you just off the bat like onions are one of the longest things from seed to food that we have on the farm. Um you know we sow it in March and we take and we take them out in like July, um, so there's a lot of like weeding and and care and you know watering that inv- takes from point A to point C, um, and I think people are ignorant of that, and so there is a devaluation um, that happens of a lot of food crops, um, so I think people just don't see spending maybe a little bit more than what the grocery store provides, um, on food. Um, so that might be another uh, thing kind of working against us. And, you know, I think part of the CSA model is to educate people, um, to the importance of knowing how much effort, um, and work goes into actually making the things that keep you alive, (laughs) you know, that being food. So, um, I think that that's one of the bigger challenges that um, we have as the farm and, and farms across um, the world are dealing with.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like as we were speaking about before, right, there is that big disconnect between, um, you know, people just going to the grocery store but not really knowing where their food comes from. So that's definitely a challenge that um, needs to be overcome. And I just have one last question for you here. If you could just briefly state how people could get involved with the farm or their local CSA in general.
1: Right. So um, I can, I can say that uh, reaching out to us, you know, if you're in the local community, um, reaching out to us and um, just seeing what we're up to, seeing if there's opportunities to help out um, is definitely welcome. And I think. I think a lot of farms um, out there would probably appreciate that. um i can I can say that uh, it's always nice to have the community come out and help. Um, but uh, you know, it it's as easy as you know, emailing or contacting um, us on uh, our website as a consumer, um, you know, have the right to know where the food is coming from. And so reaching out to the farm and just like having that connection um, is, is important.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I um, found your insights really valuable. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Greta. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And I want to thank Tim once again for sharing his time and valuable perspectives. To find more information about the CSG at Genesis Farm, you can check the episode description below. If you like the episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with your friends and family, as well as follow at ecothreads underscore podcast on Instagram and TikTok to keep up with any podcast-related news. The Ecothreads podcast is available on all platforms where you listen to your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you back here soon.